There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. I actually was going to start by saying I'm not talking to you this week, but that would be a bit awkward considering we have a podcast together. Why are you not talking to me? What have you done? Because you're going to Ibiza and For it's closing not fair. parties. But it's not fair. Like, it's actually not fair. Like, I'd just like to explain to you that it's not like a normal holiday. It's a religion. It's a way of life. Like, I have to go to the closing parties. I love dancing. I have music running through my veins. I can't not go. I would hate myself for the rest of the year if I didn't go. <laughs> You'd be kicked out of your religious circle if you, if you didn't go. Ibiza is my church, okay? <laughs> my nanny's in Ibiza at the closing party. I mean, what? what? Up. Yeah, yeah. I said it as a joke. I mean, Natalie is amazing. I love her to pieces. She looks, she's 50 and she looks really young and amazing right. and when she said she's going to Ibiza with her friend this week I was like oh amazing like have a lovely time in my head I'm thinking fuck 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 what am I gonna do about childcare have a really lovely time it's gonna be just have the best time smiling and I went oh you there for the closing parties and she was like yeah of course and I was like oh you actually are all oh, right okay okay fine you're actually fun and you sound and- like you were really <laughs> judging her because she was 50 the guy that used to own Pikes yeah was 80 and in pikes every single night after night taking us into this like weird wild corner where we used to put like fancy dress on and then sing in a ball pit like stuff happens in Ibiza and it's really fun it's basically like being I've figured it out it's basically like being in a big sort of like toddler soft play like (laughs) you can do what the fuck you want you can drink all the sugary drinks you can run around you can dance you can sweat a lot it's it's brilliant oh my god yeah I'm very excited we're flying on Thursday we're doing Thursday to Monday I haven't told the kids yet are you away on a work trip is that what you're doing? Is that what well, you're saying? Well, <laughs> I do know that I do have to have the conversation with them. They're going to be with my sister. They're going to have such a lovely weekend. So actually, when I do tell them, I'm going to dress it up differently. The part of me does was like, you just drop them off at school on Thursday and say, see you later. But I, I'm not that parent. Like Luna would, uh, she'd be devastated. <laughs> anyway, it's going to be great. I'll update Aww. you. How are Aww. you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm really good. Um, I've actually, I'm actually getting rid of Gigi this week. So that's fantastic. Where you know, she's going, to? she's going to go and stay with my parents. So I'm going to pick her up. We're recording this on Monday. She's gone to school today. 
swimming lesson this afternoon and then I'm going to drop it to my mum and dad's until Friday. Oh, how lovely. Yes. Um, otherwise, I'd just be stressing trying to get to that 2.30 pickup in the afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's not worth it. And she's going to have a lovely time and I'll get some one-on-one time with Axel. Which is just gorgeous. Yeah. And yeah. Do you know what? I've got to give Gigi a special shout out today because we hosted an event on Saturday for Fritella. <laughs> we were launching their Amazon Alexa Halloween Hotel which was like, it's like a virtual thing, isn't it, Georgia? It's actually so cool, actually. It's brilliant. It's really, really good. You can do it at home with your kids in your kitchen. And um, Georgia bought Gigi with her. And when I when I arrived, I was only like 10 minutes late, the event that only just started. Gigi was knee sliding through the floor and she had the entertainer, basically it was like, I love your child. Mm. I love her. Uh, it, it was, I don't, she's just really good. I mean, I've spoken about this before, haven't I? I would love to speak... At, to a psychologist or a psychotherapist or someone to analyze her yeah. because she has this public persona. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And she's really good at behaving in public and being like quiet. She's like really, she just left us, didn't she? It was like I yeah. didn't have a child with me. She's just like joining in the party games, having her face painted. I mean, it's safe to say she thought the party was for her. She thought it was her party. She did. Um, so, yeah. But when we're at home, she'll say things like, <laughs> I don't know, if James is winding us up, she'll go, let's kill him. Yeah, well, I think she. there's Dead a high chance. <laughs> Do you think she's um, psychopathic? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Anyone listening who can help me out with this? Someone who at home it literally wants to commit murder and kill their own family, and then when they're in when they're in public, <laughs> they're like, "Hello, I'm she goes to me," and then you can see her head like turning around, like glaring at you, and I'm thinking she looks like the child from Chucky. <laughs> She's, she scares me. She actually does. So, yeah, anyone can help me out. I would quite like to prevent her from murdering someone later yeah. in life. Anyone yeah. got any tips on that? How I can nip this in the bud now? That would be fantastic. Well, it was really funny as well because um, we, we went out for dinner as a family on Friday night. We went mm. to this gorgeous restaurant in Weybridge called Sawyer. We love it. And we were playing this game. We were going around and we the, it was like sort of spin the dial thing. And it was like, who's your crush? And everyone had to say who their crush was. Oh. So he thought was like, you're my crush though. And I was like, oh, great. Got to Kit and Kit was like, mummy, you're my crush. Oh. <gasps> and then he gave me a ring, um, which was like a sweet ring. You know, and he put it on. He put it on my, he was like, this is your marriage finger. I'm going to put <gasps> it on your marriage ring. Anyway, very, very cute. Anyway, so I, when I saw Gigi and George on Saturday, I was like, oh, G- uh, Gigi, who's your favourite oh, yeah. person? And she went, Axel. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, who's your second favourite person? Like like crossing my fingers, knowing how crushing it would be if she went, the gardener. <laughs> Anyone she did say but you. my parents, she did. But she James did is last. Judgy James is last. That's yeah. the pecking order. <laughs> Maybe she's not a psychopath. Maybe she's actually first. Maybe she's all right. In fact, that's my pecking order in the house. Axel, golden child. <laughs> then Gigi. Then then the, then Me? Natalie, the nanny, then you. Well, she'll be my best friend when I find her in the closing parties in Ibiza this weekend. She's not going to be your nanny after I've spent four, <laughs> four days with her. That's for sure. No, please. No, I can't even joke about that. Don't, don't. We're even actually do looking that. for a new nanny at the moment. So if anyone wants to get in touch with me on please or made by mummers, drop us a DM. We're looking for somebody to do like some part time stuff for us. If anyone lives in the Surrey area, please, please, please come and help us. Because <laughs> by the time we've done a school drop off and then you've come back work for a bit, I've got to turn back round again at two forty five. Yeah. It's literally killing me at the minute. Yeah, exactly. No, you can't do it. I think you just no. Uh, no. After school club is that a thing? Well, Kit can't do it school? in the first term. 
because they, they say that he's going to be too tired and he's too busy bashing people anyway. So, oh gosh, we need to have a proper update on that. Maybe yeah, we do. We'll, we we'll do. do that when you're back. Yeah, we'll do it when you when I'm back. I'm um, talking of babysitting and nannies. I used just want to give a special shout out to Bubble, not an ad or a paid anything, but I used Bubble and we found a new babysitter tonight because we're going to the football. Um, her name's Eloise, and she's the kids are so excited. We had a lovely conversation with her on the phone yesterday. Oh, that's good. I had about twelve people respond to me, being like, Did "I would you? love to come and help you because babysitting." babysitters we just don't have you know like who has a, a sort of pool of babysitters to be like oh no. tonight i'll use you know emerald and tomorrow <laughs> night i'll be using becky because we just first we don't go emerald, out emerald <laughs> where are you finding these babysitters right let's get into the conversation because this guest this is her third time i know well, i mean this really shouldn't be allowed it, you know in our made by mama's rule book you're not allowed to come on three times <laughs> she's so bloody good though but we really love her and yeah. i hope you guys do as well <laughs> really do and actually this is the first time she's coming on the podcast as mum so we've had her on before I think we had her on when she was pregnant last time and then actually she was I think she was like our fourth ever guest yes yeah she came on in her professional role as a doctor and um, today we had conversation with her about her role as mum and what an honest beautiful conversation I loved it one of my favourites actually yeah me too I think again one of those conversations that sort of took me by surprise I know you know her quite well but talking about her upbringing and her mum's battle with alcohol and how that's impacted her as a mum there's so much in there and I came away like learning loads about myself um sometimes these podcasts are like therapy sessions I feel like I've been in therapy for the last four years being your mate anyway (laughs) Let's get into it, George. Who are we chatting to today? We are chatting to Dr. Zoe Williams. <laughs> so it is safe to say that this is the only person that we'll allow three times onto the podcast. We <laughs> <laughs> bloody love her so much. Um, where do I start? Doctor, presenter, all-round legend, writer, mum to Lisbon Yay! who's now 15 months old please welcome <laughs> Zoe Williams back on the podcast Yay! Yay! you are our first non-parent on the podcast and we are really strict about that and looking back now I'm like wow and now you're coming back on and you're a mum and that's so exciting get to join the mommy crew <laughs> am I really the only person you've had on three times I'm honoured yeah oh, thanks guys if Michelle Obama wants to come on three times we'll allow her <laughs> yeah <laughs> but no one else. No one else. So you tell us, how are you? How's Lisbon? How's it all going? Yeah, good. I think um, out of the really difficult bit, oh my God, it's hard, isn't it? It's so hard um, being a parent. Um, but yeah, it's 15 months now and um, walking and starting talking and it's the fun bit I think is is just it just makes me laugh most of the time. Laugh 90% of the time and despair. 10% of the time, I think. I think that's a pretty good balance. I think I'm like the other way. <laughs> <laughs> well, they haven't got the terrible twos, but I'm sort of, it, it started the throwing himself on the floor yesterday. Oh gosh, trying to get him ready for his bath. He refused to have any items of clothing removed. It was like the biggest trauma ever. It was like I was killing him. And then this morning, trying to put clothes on him, he was having none of it. Like, what's that all about? I would just put them in the bath fully clothed. <laughs> That's where I'm at. <laughs> I love that. I love that. No, I think I'm a bit soft with him as well. Um, I think I always have been. I've been completely intolerant of him being able to, of him crying. I can't bear it. I could bear it a little bit more now as a bit older. But um, yeah, I was 
surprisingly, I was quite an anxious mum, which I didn't think I would be. I thought I'd be super chilled. You know, I was 41 when I had him. I'm older. I'm a doctor. And I love being around kids. And I've always felt really relaxed around other people's kids. Then all of a sudden he arrived and I was this slightly irate. You know, if he cried, I'd have the monitor on. It was like I was catapulted out of my seat from the sofa, charge upstairs and just couldn't bear him crying yet you know I'm like babies cry you know it's what they do it's their only way of communicating yet when my baby cried it was like the world was ending sometimes um we hear and and I guess we know because we've all experienced parts of our own childhood coming out when we become mums you know when we become parents you know those elements that maybe we experience those feelings that we experienced as as children they're the ones that you know they're really prolific they're really there they're very much on the surface so take us back you know what sort of childhood did you have and 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 are you seeing any sort of parallels between how you're feeling now to how you felt as a child oh gosh I mean I've actually put myself back in therapy for this very reason um not because there's anything wrong but because I I kind of my childhood in a lot of ways was really was really happy um but there was also a lot of a lot of trauma um and I had a really close relationship with my mum but also quite a difficult relationship with my mum especially later later on in life from my teens onwards um Mm. she sadly developed alcohol addiction and and it got very complex there was a real role reversal and what have you yeah I sort of started really just being aware of not wanting some of my previous traumas and my difficult relationship to impact on my relationship with Lisbon and ultimately for him to to suffer that. So I'm having some therapy at the moment just to just to work through that. Um, but yeah, my early childhood was really happy. Um, it's, you can't remember, can you? Is it before the age of three? You can't really, Apparently not. You don't really have yeah. any memories. <laughs> um, but you know, the, the I think the, my parents separated when I was five. But the the last memory I really have, vivid memory of my parents being together, is we went on a holiday to Butlins of all places, and um, they hired a videographer. So we have this video of my mum and dad like really happy together and like dunking each other in the pool and stuff, and and then all of us in the the I guess the family disco at, at night, and me like holding my dad's hands and dancing, and that's my last memory really of us always of, of us being happy. A happy family and I think I think I always grew up in a single parent family kind of just really admiring my friends families which for mm. me as an outsider going going around for tea or sleepovers or sometimes I went on a few holidays with my friends when I was younger and I thought I was seeing the perfect family uh, you know obviously they wouldn't have been perfect but what I was seeing to me this that this is what I want to have and I've always known that the, the way I will achieve that is when I'm the mum and I can create that for myself. So I've got this, I don't know, I've got this real, I feel real pressure to be perfect as a mum, mm. which I'm sure a lot of people do. Mm. And and sometimes it, it almost gets overbearing and I think it's created quite a lot of anxiety for me. Yeah. Thanks for being so honest about that. Yeah, I mean, that's what I guess you mentioned that you know, looking at other people's families and thinking that they were perfect. What sort of things were you looking at? Was it just literally that there was a mum and dad in the house and they sat down and had dinner together? Or like, what elements are you trying to recreate, I guess, in your own family? I think I think when I was a child with my immature brain, what I was seeing as perfect was a family of four sat at a table together, nobody shouting, nobody's arguing. Um, and you know they're sort of there for each other. They're supporting each other. They're living. They're living their life as a 
as a unit, obviously as individuals, as, as but also as a unit, and that sense of of belonging, I think, and safety and security, which I think um, compared to when I was young, you know, my parents had a really difficult breakup, uh, difficult divorce. There were court cases. There was arguing, screaming, shouting, and and I always knew that both of my parents really loved me. Um, and now I'm older, I understand their actions, but sometimes, you know, dad was meant to come on a Sunday. Sometimes he didn't show up or he showed up late. Um, he was meant to come at one o'clock. If it got to three o'clock and he hadn't showed up, mum would put us in the car and take us out. And sometimes he'd be arriving at that time. And, you know, me and my brother would sit at the window waiting, thinking, is he going to come? And Sorry. I think, you know, as a child, you, there's, it's like now when I've looked back on that, mm-hmm. you kind of, you, you can't help but, self-blame a little bit you kind of feel like things things are are your fault I guess a little bit um so when I went to these other families then they're all just you know just chill just hanging out sat watching a movie together um it was like wow this is amazing this is what it's meant to be like and one day one day I'll have this have you made the link in therapy that the, the work that you're going through at the moment in terms of that feeling of you you know with your face up against the window and and those feelings about you know is it my fault and all that kind of stuff have you have you ha- have you made that link between now how you're feeling and you can't bear to hear Lisbon crying and that sort of you know that mother that is always there like your child can never feel upset can never feel pain in the way that is that is that what's coming up for you what, what, what have they said what have you discovered yeah I think what I think what I've discovered is, is a lot of it is understanding and the reasons why I feel the way I feel. So I, I, I've had this weird thing ever since the day was born. Um, and my rational brain tells me that this is, there's no reason to feel like this. This is ridiculous. Um, but my innate brain um, looks at him and feels like he's got some kind, like he's powerful in some way. Um, and like I have this huge responsibility to make sure that he is good, that he's a good person. Um, and that he never does any harm to anyone and that he never does anything wrong in the world and um, and almost a fear that that he might do. And I think what I've discovered in therapy is that for a lot of years with, with my mum, as an addict, she could be quite destructive, destructive mm. to herself, destructive to her belongings destruct- and destructive to other people. And as a, I guess, a teenager, I felt a lot of responsibility and I kind of was constantly planning and considering what could go wrong and trying to put things in place to prevent it so even if we were going out for a meal I'd be thinking right how do we make sure how do we manage the alcohol situation around this because she can order what she wants and how do we manage if there are steps because she had mobility issues and after she had a drink she could fall and um, so I think what I've discovered in Gosh. therapy is that I'm almost doing that with Lisbon now oh, as yeah. a baby I'm thinking what are all the things that could go wrong in the future and how can I make sure they don't happen and that relates to me trying to be this perfect mother which actually isn't a perfect mother which is like yeah. probably quite an overbear- overbearing mother um but you know therapy is great and I feel so lucky that I know I should have had therapy my whole life I had it for the first time in 2019 just before I met Stuart and I think if I hadn't had it I would have that wouldn't have worked out I think it's partly the reason I've never been able to make a relationship work um but yeah to anyone out there who's struggling with anything like therapy it's hard it's painful mm. but so worth it and I think I've done I've had four sessions now and I feel like I and I, I get it now I can look at like Lisbon bit somebody at nursery the other day which to me is an absolute nightmare so like, oh my gosh you know it's all coming true he wants to hurt people um of course that's just children isn't it 
So I was able to, you know, not overreact and just think rationally about it and deal with it. It's the be- I think I agree with you. I echo that, Zoe. It is the best thing that anybody can do for themselves and to do for the relationship that you have with your children, partner, you know, whatever that unit looks like. And I, I, had, I had to do it with, with my mum and my feelings around her and this feeling of almost a bit of abandonment, even though she didn't abandon me. She was an, she's an amazing mum. But when my dad yeah. died, I felt like I lost her at the same time. So when my kids were born, there was this innate feeling of, I cannot leave them for a second. Yeah. I never want to be away from them. I don't want to, I can't discipline them because I don't want to be firm with them. I just want to, all I want to do yeah, is just round them with love, love. keep yeah. them close to me. And my yeah. therapist said to me, you know, he was like, what your mother did to you or your feelings around that does not correlate to the mother that you are today. In mm. fact, you know, we need to channel everything that she did brilliantly and everything that she didn't do so well. We need to channel that into the way that you bring up your children for the good and we can do that. And that's what we've done now. So I feel much, much more balanced, but I don't think I would have got there. It was like, it was almost overbearing yeah Dozer was like you're gonna have to back off like you've got to back off yeah yeah I find it so interesting because you know like you guys are pinpointing like certain moments in your life and you know you went through this trauma or you had a particularly difficult time so like when your dad died and I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect but actually I've spoken about this before but I feel pressure because my mum was almost, and she still is to me, like the perfect mum. Yeah. And so then that actually weirdly puts more pressure on me because I think I can't break the cycle. Mm. Uh, uh, who am I to like not be like her? Because I had a great role model and mm. she's still great. And I, and I always ask, I'm like, when do you get like, wh- when does this happen to me? How do I become like you? <laughs> she's just. You she's, are. No, but, but I'm not. No, 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 but I'm not. And that's the whole thing. And I think. That's something I've had to overcome is that my mum, my auntie, my nan uh, were sort of mo- mainly stay-at-home mums and they focused everything, like, you know, their whole fam- the family was their absolute core and, 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 you know, still is. And I'm just not that person. And I think for me, it's been quite, I don't know, I guess a bit difficult to... to actually just accept that yeah they would never say that they hate the park they would never say that (laughs) (laughs) actually my mum would I don't think she ever took me to the park thinking about it (laughs) and it didn't do me any harm so you know there we go but it is it's just this massive pressure like we we're so you know we learn so much about ourselves and yet we put still put this weird yeah like pressure on ourselves to be a certain way and I think I think that's what therapy does it doesn't change it it doesn't take those thoughts or feelings or emotions away necessarily but it kind of helps you understand it so you can almost like the way I think of it is it's almost like a imagine that I remove myself from my body and I'm an observer looking on and I'm like okay so that's why you're feeling like that and that's why you're thinking that okay well now I know why I can just get rid of it push it to one side and crack on yeah you you mentioned um that you were 41 when Lisbon was born so let's talk about the moment that you met Stuart um because <laughs> having a little bit later on I've obviously known you for many many years we've been single girls together out on the town um, <laughs> just have... talking through that I love this this story of you finding love is beautiful so please share it with us oh okay so um I actually went on a little girl's trip to 
Lisbon uh, <laughs> in Portugal um, with um, my friends Kirsty and, and Helena. And we had one night in Lisbon and then my friend Helena has a house that's just an hour outside of Lisbon. So we went out on this one night and for dinner and we just decided let's go for one drink on the way home. Let's go for a cocktail on this nice rooftop bar. So up we went and um, as we were walking through the nightclub bit, I looked right and I just saw the back of somebody um, and he had slightly Afro hair and tall and was like, oh, interested. And then carried on and we went and we sat, we ended up having a few drinks um, and we were going to leave. We were really tired. We went to the loo before we left and Helena, who's been very happily married for many, many years, said to me and Kirsty, who are both single, girls, why don't we just do one lap? You never know. You might meet your future husband. Just one lap. We have it as a hashtag now. <laughs> um, so we did this lap and this person was still there. So I was sort of walking behind him. He had his back to us still. And, you know, as I reached where he was, obviously just diverted my eyes and trying to make, make it like I wasn't walking. And he just grabbed my hand and like just pulled me and said, hi, I'm Stuart. And I was like, hi, I'm Zoe. And, um, and we just chatted and snogged for about an hour. <laughs> and he says, still to say, he said, like he knew in that moment that that was it, that we would be together and that we would have babies oh together. He knew, like in that moment, he'd been single for eight years. Um, he'd been waiting for Sorry. the right person. And, and it was me. So, so we had like an hour together. Then, you know, we left and went our separate ways. And um yeah, and then it turns out, even though we met in Lisbon, we actually li were living 1.2 miles away. No way. I was in Wandsworth, he was in Earlsfield. So, and then randomly on our second, so we had, we had a first date, proper date in London after that. On our second date, um, I was, I'd been invited as a, as a guest of honour to, it was a big event, British Heart Foundation. Um, it was their big annual award event and my friend Jenny was meant to be coming with me but she was ill on the day so I was like a bit random but second date do you want to come to this like mass and I had to get up and give a speech on stage and all of that and it was his first introduction to my world and he was brilliant he was so chilled and yeah and that was it we just had our three-year anniversary last week oh, <laughs> oh my god so it's your three-year anniversary last week and Lisbon's 15 months so yeah we didn't mess about no how did you go from second date to pregnant and a lot of shagging yeah. George wow I, mean, <laughs> I don't I don't need the, those details <laughs> well we were both 39 I think it was our fifth date I we right okay do you know what let me overshare let me just share the whole thing I, I don't believe that condoms I've always thought you know when people come to me as a doctor asking for emergency contraception they say the condoms split I'm like yeah yeah whatever but you know if you're doing the right thing getting emergency let's just let's just pretend the condom split so we it was our after our fourth day we had sex for the first time and the condom actually split can you believe like it genuinely split I was like oh my gosh this actually happened so so I got the morning after pill, but it was really bizarre because I'd frozen my eggs um, the year before. I was actively looking at becoming a solo parent. I'd been looking at sperm donors. I'd been considering my options because I was 39 and desperate to be a mum. And, and it felt really counterintuitive that I was taking emergency contraceptive yeah. contraception. So I thought, you know what, I, I will do that. It's the right thing to do, but we need to have a conversation. So, um, so on our fifth day, we sat down and I said, look, you know, you've come into my life at a time when I was just about to hit the button on using a sperm donor or I was even looking at sort of co-parenting options um 
And this is something that's really important to me. And, and I really, in the next 12 months, I don't see myself 12 months from now not being pregnant or not doing something to try and be pregnant. Um, and sort of just left that with him. And he was like, oh, you know, well, I'm not surprised. You know, you're 39. This doesn't come as a shock. And um, and then we got back to my house and he said, oh, there's something I want to ask you. I was like, oh, here we go. You know, now he's going to say, I'm not really into you or whatever. This is going to be him making his exit. Um, and he said, well, you've been my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> and he was like, look, he said, if this goes the way I want it to in the way I expect it to. He said, let's give it six months. And if we're happy, let's try. And we did. Oh, my good Lord. What an incredible, what an incredible conversation to have with two people that on the fifth date. Yeah. That's, and that's how brave of you exactly. to turn around to him to say, this is what my plan is. You know, not, I don't think many people would have done that. And then you've got yourself into a situation where you're falling in love with somebody, then you're putting off the conversation. Then, as you said, 12 months down the line, you're not pregnant, you haven't had the chat and time's yeah. ticking because it, it is at, that, at, that, at, that, at our age. We'll be right back after this short break. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? I wonder, do you think if the condom didn't split, you would have... (laughs) had that conversation so quickly because sometimes things happen like that don't they and you think yeah "Yeah." like would that yeah would I have actually brought that up maybe 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 not um it was the universe the universe but that condom thank you universe maybe not I think I think it would have had to happen not much later but I think it was you know putting that tablet in my mouth to prevent a pregnancy that I desperately wanted but you know it was it would have been unfair to have um to have not done that it it did yeah I think that was the thing that helped spurred the conversation and it also gave me a reason I guess to bring it up with him talk to us about your egg freezing experience because it's a conversation we haven't had for a while actually so this you know this taps into goes back to to my mum again so my mum passed away five years ago and prior to her passing away and um, I was single from the age of about 35 onwards and she was always saying to me, Zoe, what do you think about freezing your eggs? I know how important it is for you to be a mom and you're single. And and I was always kind of saying, well, I'm the doctor, you know, I know what I'm doing. I'll meet someone. It'll be fine. And then when she passed away, a few months later, I got a phone call from The One Show. I'd never presented on The One Show before. And the producer said, we want to make a film about egg freezing. Um, we'd love you to present it for us. So I said, oh, right. Okay. Is this 
did you know that I'm thinking about egg freezing? And she said, no. She said, would you be willing to share your own experience? I said, yes. So I spent the whole day making this short film about egg freezing, exploring it from different angles, people who were for it, people who were against it, visited a clinic, actually got to see where the eggs are, are kept on ice. Really privileged to have that experience. And at the end of the day, it was a no-brainer. I'm like, I definitely should do this. Um, yeah. For me, it's the right thing to do. Um, and and then I went ahead and, and, and did it. But it was really bizarre, you know, again, I, I, I'm a doctor, I'm a scientist. Unless you can prove it, I don't believe it. But over the years, that's really changed in me. I think there's so much that we can't explain. And, and you know, let's call it the universe. But it was funny that my mum passed away three months later. This opportunity landed in my lap. And that's what led to me freezing my eggs. So, so I did. I froze my eggs. I got seven, which was about average for my for my age. I think I was thirty eight at the time. Where are they? They're on ice in are London they? near St Paul's. Um, and you know, hope my, when at the time it was like, hopefully I'll never need to use these. Um, and but I'll never regret it. I'll never regret doing that because even though with seven eggs, the truth is, if I was to use all seven the chances of me getting a baby is is still quite slim because I think that's what people do. It's absolutely not guaranteed and seven eggs is not enough to, if you get 25 or something, then, you know, you've, you've got a good chance, but, you know, there's no guarantees that seven will give me a baby. But for me, it was, I don't want to, if I hadn't have met Stuart and I hadn't have managed to find another way to have a baby and I'd have ended up not having children, at least I would look back and think, well, I did, I did everything. And How I didn't use, I didn't use them for Lisbon. I don't know if it's changed yet. It will change sometime, but it was always 10 years, right. which was an arbitrary number that was set for no real good reason at the time um, when the technology was first being used. Um, and there was a lot of campaign. I think it changed last year. So I think now there, there, there's really no reason for them to have a shelf life necessarily. But then it does raise a question that if I get to the age of 60, is it appropriate for me then to be using an egg to conceive when actually my life expectancy? Could you still ha ha house a baby at 60? Potentially, yeah. Yeah, there's no... Wow. Yeah, if you're really fit and healthy, yeah. there's actually it's, it's not impossible, yeah. So if, if you use IVF and implant a healthy embryo into a healthy 60-year-old person, um, that it is, it, is, it is possible. And you hear of... You hear of um, Mum being surrogates who are, you know, I don't know if that's happened at 60, it probably has, but certainly in their 50s and what have you. Um, oh. Mum's been surrogates for their daughters. Wow. That's incredible. It is. So, if so, so what's is there like a downside? So, say you're 25, you're single, you have, you know, no plans to have any children like anytime soon but you know that at 25 your egg count is, is really good and all of that kind of stuff is there a harm in freezing your eggs then even if you don't use them for another 15 years or is that like detrimental I, I actually think that that will become the norm right. I think I think when our children grow up um they will probably freeze their eggs in their early 20s which yeah. is when they're at their best quality um and what that means then is that even if they decide to have a baby at 35 and they can conceive naturally 
they might want to use their healthier eggs. It's a bit like if you buy a packet of chicken and you know you're not going to use it for three weeks, you're going to freeze it on day one, aren't you? You're not going to freeze it day before it it goes off. Um, so I think that's what people will do and it will give people that, I, I, you know, the technologies will get better as well. But it, what it means is if you decide to have a baby at 40, you can use a 25-year-old egg, which is much less likely to have chromosomal abnormalities. You're much less likely to have a miscarriage. Um, so I think that will become the norm. It's an interesting topic because, um, and this may sound quite controversial, but obviously with my family history of early menopause and what my mum, granny, sister went through, obviously that left her completely infertile. My sister and I always discussed the fact that had she had the information, she would have frozen her eggs in her 20s and hopefully would have been able to have a baby, who knows. But now, obviously, I have a daughter and I really want her to be protected. So I will have those conversations with her as and when the moment comes and I will tuck away that money so that she has the option to go and get her eggs bro- frozen at an earlier age in her early 20s. If she, you know, I, I, w- I wouldn't obviously push it on her, but I would encourage her to do it because I've seen firsthand what that moment is like for somebody that's told they don't have any eggs left and it is horrendous, horrendous. Yeah. I, re- I remember actually, Zoe, when we were on this morning on the same yeah. show yeah. and you were pregnant and you were sat there with Catherine on the sofa and and I was at the desk because I was doing the item straight after you. Luckily, there was an ad break, I think, in between. And, you know, obviously being friends with you and with Catherine, I was in floods of tears. I'm like, oh my God, they're coming to me next and I've got to talk about something else. But honestly, it was just, it's, it's just so sad, isn't it? It's so unfair. Yeah. But we do have science and we do have technology now that can can combat that in fact when I was making that film for the one show the fertility um doctor that I interviewed as a part of that is a doctor called Gita Nagand and she had a 30 year old son at the time and when I was like part this was off camera I was just saying to her if your son was a daughter what would you say to her on this topic would you advise her to freeze her eggs and she just looked at me she went Zoe for her 21st birthday my gift to her would have been egg freezing that's what I would have given her for her 21st birthday and that kind of helped me make that decision I think if she would recommend that to her own children then um you know it's worthwhile considering gosh talk us through obviously the decision to have the baby and how you know can not the details of the conception, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you can figure that bit out for yourself. Yeah, yeah. Did, you, <laughs> did you find it easy to conceive? Was it something that happened over a few months? With our ages, um, I sort of thought, right, my approach to this is going to be, I have absolutely no expectations to get pregnant in the first six months. So let's just, you know, start. I did start using the, for the first month, I was like, I'm not even going to use the um, ovulation sticks. I'm not doing any of that. We're just going to, I'm not going to look at times. We're just going to have sex, lots of sex for six months. And then we'll be assessed from there. But obviously the first month that my period came, I was like, right, ovulation sticks, these dates, these (laughs) dates. But yeah, I felt pregnant after three months. Which lucky, How so did that feel grateful. After everything you've been through, well, I, I what actually happened was um, my period was late because that's apparently what happens when you get pregnant. Um, and you'd think, right, I'm trying to get pregnant. My period was two days late. You think I'd think, oh, I should do a pregnancy test. I might be pregnant. No, what I actually thought was, oh my gosh, this is the start of perimenopause. My period's late. This is, I'm not going to be able to have a baby. And then on the third day, I was in clinic in GP land and somebody came in. I did a pregnancy test. They were pregnant. I thought, oh, why don't I just do one of these pregnancy tests? It's obviously not going to be positive. And it was positive. And I was so shocked. It's, it, it's bizarre, isn't it? I was absolutely overwhelmingly prized and shocked, but 
obviously really happy as well. Um, so yeah, I did a little surprise that night for Stuart when we got home. He was, um, it was, it was in, he was out barbecuing, I think, in the garden. So I got him this little, I got him a little card with a little baby lion on it because we kind of talked about ourselves as a family of lions. It's our thing. Um, and wrote it from the little seed, from the little baby to him. And it, it was in a really grumpy mood. I almost took it away because it was in a real grump. And it was in a grump because I'd gone to the shop to get beers and I bought alcohol-free beers. Um, and I was like, oh, I did it by accident. I, I pretended I hadn't realised because they looked the same. So it was in a real grump about these alcohol-free beers. And he'd gone to the shop and got some proper beer. Um, and then anyway, he opened it and we caught it. I've never shared it, but we caught, I actually caught it on camera, his reaction. It was, uh, it was a good one. <laughs> Keep that one for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how was the pregnancy? Yeah, it, was good. it was good. I think it's funny. I've had this conversation with lots of people and I, th- I, I think I had a really good pregnancy. But the second thing I say is, but I did experience a little bit of everything. I had a little bit of morning sickness, a little bit of heartburn, um, a little bit of backache. But I think because I, as a GP, I see people at the extreme end. I see people who really suffer with hyperemesis or who get terrible, terrible heartburn. I was really anxious with my age. I was really worried that something was going to go wrong. So every time I got a symptom of pregnancy, um, whilst it didn't feel nice to experience it, it kind of thought, oh, that means I'm still pregnant. That's still good. Pregnant. That wouldn't yeah. be happening if I wasn't still pregnant. So yeah. took it as a little sign of reassurance. But you it kept was pretty good. fit and healthy, didn't you? I mean, you. I loved, and I'll say this to you now, I loved your fruit, um, fruit updates of your bump. And you were like holding a, I don't know what it, a pear and then holding a grapefruit and then holding a watermelon at the end. Like yeah. it was lovely to see that yeah. you did that. Yeah, yeah, that was really, that was really nice. And the idea with that is at some point I'll put them all together on a little, uh, like on a, um, in, in a picture, which again, I have got round to because once the baby comes, you don't have time for these things, do you? Um, but yeah, I really, you know, it was in the midst of the pandemic. My pregnancy was through the pandemic. And whilst there were some downsides to that, there were some upsides as well. It meant that I had more time for me. I, I tried to exercise every single day. Um, you know, I wasn't having to say, no, I'm, I have a real FOMO. I hate missing out on stuff. I love going out. I love seeing my friends. But none of that was happening. So it forced me actually to just take a bit more time to to relax and, you know, take it easy, which I think looking back, I'm quite, I'm quite glad that yeah. My pregnancy was during that time. And your birth. Yeah. I made some oh of those <laughs> Birth in the water. You did it. I almost gave birth in the bath. Anyone who wants to have a home birth, get your birthing pool and have a practice way before. Because we planned to have our practice the day. I gave birth 10 days before my due date and we planned to practice the day after for the day after and the tap didn't fit the connect did the connector didn't fit our tap so we couldn't fill the birth pool so I was in the bath <laughs> for the majority of um of the time that I was in labor and in the end what we did Stuart came up with the idea to reverse engineer it because the bath also comes with a pump so afterwards you can pump the water from the pool in straight into the drain so I was upstairs in the bath so we pumped the water from the bath downstairs into the birth pool and um, that's the only way we could fill it plus it was topped up with kettles and pans of hot water so this meant I was in the bath and because the water cooled so much on the way down 
my doula, who was amazing, Letty and Stuart, were constantly trying to make the bath water hotter. And I was in the bath of like, if this baby's born in this bath, it's going to die. It's going to burn. It's too hot. And they were both actually tag teaming because it was so unbearably hot in the bathroom that they couldn't bear it. Um, But by the time I finally got into the birth pool, I think it was about seven minutes and he was born. Wow. Before the midwife got there. <laughs> so what made you go for a home birth because I guess you know I think were you 39 when you when you had Lisbon I, I think if you know we go to see a midwife they don't necessarily say that you're an ideal candidate do you think yeah. your medical background I guess gave you that confidence opposite so I always oh. thought that I would want to have an elective c-section because I'd want that element of control I'd want to know what's going to happen you know even though the recovery from a c-section is difficult I can plan for that that's what I always thought I wanted and I did six months of Bob's and gynae and I worked at UCLH where we see a lot of the more complicated um, births a lot of more complicated births are referred there so I've experienced the, com- the complex side and have very, very little experience of um, the majority of births, which are quite, you know, which go as they're meant to. So so I always wanted an elective C-section. And it was really bizarre that about halfway through my pregnancy, it changed. It was like the pregnant version of me just trusted my body and knew that my body was able to, to do it. I yeah. just had complete faith. And I felt that if I was in a hospital setting, especially because that's my place of work, that I would find that quite stressful. And, you know, I learned a lot from my hypnotherapy course and from my doula, stuff that I didn't know about the way that the different hormones and chemicals work, you know, that you're releasing oxytocin, which helps drive the birth in the right direction. And if you release cortisol, the stress hormone from your brain, then that has a negative feedback on oxytocin and prevents it. And this is often where when people go into a hospital setting, that initial stress can slow things down. And Mm. so it was just a very personal decision that for me, I felt like being in my own surroundings, being being at home where I feel safe and comfortable would allow my body to do its thing. And throughout my birth, it was really bizarre. It was like, I believe that it had nothing to do with me. It was my body and the baby that had to get through this process. And I, my job was just to tolerate the sensations that come with that, stay calm, um, try and feel love as much as possible and just get in the zone and get through it. However, I have to add, I wasn't, I, I, at, no, at no point did I say that I was definitely going to have a home birth. I wanted to plan and prepare for a home birth. Yeah. But I also kept the option of going to hospital open because I thought at any point if I change my mind and want to go to hospital that's fine I'm not going to feel like I failed or if there's a first sign of anything being being wrong or any or complications then straight to hospital well I wanted to have a, a birthing pool situation but then Dozo was making all these fucking jokes being like well, I'm gonna jump straight in and get the oil out and wear these speedos and I was like this is so horrendous this is not funny and he thought it was hysterical every time we went for a meeting he was like I'm gonna wear these speedos I've got these ones so I was like really putting me off you're not getting in did Stuart get in no he didn't I mean that to be honest, there wouldn't have even been time for him to. He, he was busy. He had he had he worked. <laughs> he had work to do. <laughs> he, had to, he had to keep topping up that pool, and you know he was on the phone to the midwife, being like, "Where are you? What's happening?" Um, he was too busy to be in that pool, to be honest. Yeah, but I don't think he would have got it. He got his arms in it. He had his arms yeah. in it, and that was enough. Okay. Okay, fine. Yeah, I'm going to tell Dodger it's actually not a thing and that you shouldn't. It's not you're like you're getting in. Do you know what? I haven't seen anyone or heard of anyone who's exactly. in the pool with him. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen pictures of it. 
where they get in and they sit sit behind the yeah. woman. Yeah. Um, I've seen pictures on Instagram. <laughs> whatever, whatever floats your boat. But I think you can only do that if the woman is saying yes. Like, Dozza can't do that without your permission. At the end of the day, it's you. You're in charge. <laughs> and I guess the burning question is, sorry that I'm asking you this, but I'm going to, are you going to have any more? Ooh. So I feel like we're at a bit of a tip. So I'm 42 now. So first of all, you know, I might not be able to. We might not be able to. I feel like we're at a bit of a tipping point where it's starting to feel, I'm, yeah, I'm starting to get a bit broody. Um, we're not trying, but we're not preventing. This is breaking news. I haven't shared this anywhere else. Um, yeah, we're not trying, actively trying. There's no ovulation sticks, um, but we're not actively preventing either. And I think actually for the last three months, I don't think we've actually had sex in my fertile window so it is very much but I feel I feel like just that tipping point where I'm starting to think I'd like Lisbon to I would like Lisbon to have a brother or a sister um and this is where I think well do you know what having those eggs although there's no assurances um it does give me that little bit of flexibility there is something else there that might help us if I get beyond the age where my eggs are good enough quality and I guess it's like the pressure yeah (laughs) Everyone says like, oh, just relax and you get pregnant. And I guess that having those eggs there just will make you relax a little Helps bit Helps you relax a little bit, yeah. And we're going on holiday. We're going on holiday um, at the end of this month. And I think, um, obviously, Stuart and I met in Lisbon and that's how Lisbon got his name. Um, we're going to Jamaica. I've never been to, I'm half Jamaican and I've never been to Jamaica. So we're taking Lisbon to Jamaica. And that would be the perfect place to conceive, wouldn't it? And wherever we are in Jamaica at that time, Maybe that will be the baby's name. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Depending on where we're staying, of course. Yeah, I was just about to say, what's the capital of Jamaica? Kingston. Great name. I really I really want to go back to the place where, so my dad lived in Jamaica until the age of eight. Um, and he grew up in a place called um, Williamstown. So I'm not going to call the baby William, Williams. Um but it's in the parish of St. Elizabeth. And I think oh. that would be if we, if we imagine if we lived there and had a little girl, she would have to be called Elizabeth. It's a beautiful name as well. Oh, I love it. Oh, well, watch this space, guys. And actually, now everyone will know exactly where you conceived if you have another child, because they'll be like, oh, right, yep. Yeah. Elizabeth, that's where it was. Oh, Kingston, that's where it was. Oh, you know, anyway, London. Crystal. Crystal Palace. There's a town in France called Pussy. So, oh my god, yeah, that'd be just great. Just don't visit there. Just don't go there. there. <laughs> yeah. I really like the name Sienna, so maybe we should visit Sienna. Right. Although, if Lisbon had been a girl, we would have called her Sienna, but Lisbon now has a cousin who was born a few weeks after him called Zena, so I think that one's kind of gone out the window for us. You can't have Zena and Sienna, it's a bit no, confusing. the same family, it's a bit much, isn't it? Um, let's talk about brands that you're loving at the moment. My favourite thing literally since day one has been muslins can't get enough of them still use them still always have one on me um i i didn't know what how muslins i mean lisbon vomited a lot he was a very very he had reflux with vomiting so we were all covered in vomit all the time it was a bit gross um but yeah, I can't have enough muslins. Kit uses it as a comforter. So like, hang on to them. Don't don't ever get rid of them because he sleeps with one like a blankie. He yeah. loves them. I wash my face with them now. Such, you cut them up, don't you, into squares yeah, and use I them as a... I cut them up and I use them like to take my makeup off. They're just, I don't know. What are they actually made of? Why are they so magical? They're so absorbent. They're just... What, what is it? Is, is it a cotton blend? Like, what is it? 
It's magic. Buggy. So we're using a baby jogger buggy um, at the moment, which is amazing. Um, It's kind of, you can go off road with it a little bit. It's not actually designed for jogging, the one we've got. It's called City Sights, but it folds up really small. You can face them forwards and backwards. Um, It's just really robust and really hardy. Baby Maury soft oh yeah yeah. such a lovely brand really nice brand oh he's loving um he's just started wearing shoes because he's just started walking and baby crocs are just too cute oh where did you get his first shoes from clarks it's gotta be clarks that's it everyone goes there for the fit little name's lion so he's obviously everything's got lions on it and uh we went to clarks and because it's summer we got him these little sandals and they've got little lions on the side (laughs) so cute they're so cute um yeah, I love Clarks. You just, you know, it's where I had my first shoes. They do the little foot measuring, don't they? And it's just, you just trust them. But I love the Crocs as well. I just been to Clarks as well to get kits. He obviously, his first shoes were from there. And I've just had him fitted for his school shoes as well. We've literally, oh. you know, if, especially if your kid's got a wide foot. School they shoes. They're kind of the oh, kit, yeah. He's at school. He's kit at school. Started school this week. Are you a face then? I was like, are you you kidding me oh my god he's just but I thought oh is he not still a baby he's already been in his first punch up as well he's given a kid a split lip on Tuesday gosh last time I saw Kit I was on a boat with you stranded in the middle of a um, lake in Kenya That is a story for another time. That sounds like a great story. <laughs> Before you go, we always like to ask our guests, what is the best piece of advice you've been given as a parent or a piece of advice you'd give to a new parent? Okay, well, this one actually wasn't necessarily a piece of advice given to me, but it was an Instagram post that I saw when Lisbon was little. And I wish I could remember the words, but it made me cry. But what it was saying is that you will accidentally hurt your baby. Um you know, you'll accidentally hit them sometimes or bash them or their little finger will get stuck when you're trying to dress them. And it said that your baby will never be mad at you or upset at you if you've done something like that by accident. And it, it comes back to what we were talking about at the beginning about yeah. me feeling like I need to be perfect. And, you know, when I accidentally like dropped something on him, it just broke my heart. And it was just, yeah, it's helped. It's, it's really, I think, helped me remind me that we're doing the best as we can. And we can't be perfect and actually little accidents, little minor things will happen and mm. your baby's not going to blame you for it. I love that because it happens so much. Like, you it know, does, doesn't it? especially with the zip, I'm constantly, well, not constantly, but I've done it a couple of times where I've got them trapped in the zip or their tummy or I've like, yeah. you know, you feel so bad about or it. Or bang their head when you're putting them in a car seat. Oh, I mean, that's God. like. Yeah, or kick a ball and it hits them in the face. <laughs> <laughs> We're all doing our best, Zozo. Thank yeah, you so much for coming you. back on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. Dr. Zoe, she can come back on the fourth time, I think, actually, now. She can. Maybe she can be a regular slot because that I'd, I've never been to therapy, so maybe those sessions are my therapy sessions. I love how she kind of spoke about the fact how she's been going to therapy as well. Really honest to admit that. Um, yeah. And, you know, like you said in the beginning, kind of that relationship between her and her mum and how it's kind of impacted her. And, you know, it's kind of maybe bled into, you know, raising Lisbon slightly and how she feels that maybe she thought she was going to be quite chilled and quite relaxed, but actually over the top doesn't ever want him to feel 
you know, pain or upset or, you know, any yeah. of that sort. So I really related to that. I know. Yeah, no, me too. And I think it, it just goes to show, you know, she's a GP and she probably sees new mums and dads come into yeah. her surgery all the time. And she's she probably thinks, oh, I won't be like that when, you know, when I have a baby. We all did it, didn't we? Like before we became parents, we'd all look at someone else and think, oh, I won't do that. Or, yeah. oh, I'm not going to be like that. And then yeah. suddenly there you are and you think, oh, right. Yeah, here I am. I get it now. And she, you know, she has got the the medical rule book of how to raise a child and yet she still finds it challenging and mm. um I, yeah I think it's really interesting I really love her yeah I, I loved really her too do. George thank you to Zoe massively for sharing all of that stuff with us I'm sure it's helped lots of people listening and um, as always we would love you to rate review subscribe and give the podcast a little follow yeah and if you've got anyone you'd like to hear from and um, then please do drop us a dm on instagram we are always open to suggestions and we'll be back on friday Made by Mamas is an insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.